calling all innovators. The World Economic Forum has opened up applications for its 2023 Technology Pioneers Community. Every year, the forum recognizes a limited number of companies as technology pioneers and incorporates them into its initiatives, activities, and events where they bring cutting-edge insights to critical issues facing the world. The 2023 application form is available right now at the top of weforum.org, but due by January 31st. Make sure you apply and spread the word. We have to stop doing things in half measures. We have to get beyond net zero and to get to actual zero. Welcome to Meet the Leader, a podcast where top leaders share how they're tackling the world's toughest challenges. Today, ahead of the COP27 Global Climate Summit, we talk to a range of leaders, government, business, and civil society about what must be prioritized to make a difference for the climate. Subscribe to Meet the Leader on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And please take a moment to rate and review us. I'm Linda Lucina from the World Economic Forum, and this is Meet the Leader. So there's a multiplier effect that we need to focus on. There's so much for all of us to do. The COP27 Climate Summit is nearly here. Held this year in Egypt, the summit brings together delegates from around the world, all to negotiate global goals for tackling the biggest challenge of our time, climate change. They'll present big plans, how their countries will contribute to those goals and most critically, push for action. Glasgow's 2021 summit showed business getting engaged like never before, and this year's summit, one of just a handful to be held outside of Europe in the last decade, provides key visibility for the MENA region, as well as countries across Africa and those impacted most by climate change, ones that contribute the least to emissions. Interviews in this week's episode were recorded at the annual meeting in Davos, the Sustainable Development Impact Meeting in New York during UNGA Week, and the Urban Transformation Summit in Detroit. In each interview, leaders explore what's possible, what they hope will move forward at COP, and the lessons learned that can speed our way towards meaningful change. Rania Almashat will get us started. She's Egypt's Minister of International Cooperation. I talked to her this September during the United Nations General Assembly Week in the World Economic Forum offices here in New York. I asked her what's needed, and she stressed the need for focus. This COP is, uh, is a call for implementation. And when we uh, look at uh, what happened in Glasgow, there were very important uh, outcomes. We saw the private sector coming in, making pledges. We saw uh, philanthropists uh, making commitments. What we want to see at COP27 is a continuation of that, but moving pledges into implementation. And uh, we're trying to focus on uh, how we can see projects in different countries materialize. There's so much for all of us to do there's so much uh, when it comes to innovative ideas uh, of how we work together, of how we can improve uh, the work, how we can contribute to the global goals. This is going to continue. This is COP27. There will be COP28 and 29 and 30 and onwards. So there's always going to be an element of uh, negotiations and accounting and this and that. But at the same time, uh, there's a lot of scope for all stakeholders to engage practically on the ground uh, with respect to projects that affect people. For example, adaptation projects may not need uh, big numbers in terms of financing compared to the renewable and the mitigation projects, but the number of beneficiaries and uh, the impact that you have uh, from each dollar spent on adaptation is quite huge. 
So there's a multiplier effect that we need to focus on. We need to tell the story over and over, and we need to uh, replicate successful examples. I also asked her how she personally stays on track when working on long-term goals like climate action. Here's what she said. I always set my intention. The very first lesson in leadership is setting your intention. I think uh, that is important in any job and in any work. I've carried them uh, very dearly, uh, setting the intention and, and being authentic and being present in every moment. Christian Teleki is the director of the Friends of Ocean Action here at the World Economic Forum. And at May's annual meeting, he shared the solutions that could make a dramatic difference, not just for emissions, but also for the ocean. Here's what he thinks leaders should be keeping top of mind. There are five solutions that can reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 20% in order to get us to the 1.5 degree target. Those five solutions are reducing emissions from maritime transport, nature-based solutions, shifting diets to eat more low carbon intensive food from the ocean, offshore wind or offshore renewable energy, and indeed storing carbon in the seabed. So there's a number of easy solutions that can get us there. And if you take offshore renewable energy as one of those, that alone is like taking 1 billion cars off the road a year. So there is enormous amount that can be done, but we just need to focus on some of these solutions in order to get it there. Kaheya Pacheco is the co-executive director of the Women's Earth Alliance, a 16-year global initiative that empowers women leaders to protect the earth. It's a group that helps to drive home how women, particularly indigenous women and women of color, are often catalysts for positive environmental change. Women are more vulnerable to climate change impacts, and she explained to my colleague Julie Masiga at the annual meeting why leaders should think harder about how they can engage with those communities. Here's Kahea to explain more. You know, if we look at something like climate-induced disasters, women are 80% of all climate refugees around the world. They're 14 times more likely to die in a climate-related event than, than anyone else. And this is because women are often those who are tasked with caring for children, with caring for elders. They're often last to be rescued. As water systems become compromised, they have a harder time collecting water for their families. They are often tasked with finding food and providing energy for cooking. And all of those things become worse and become harder to, to do when, uh, when dealing with climate impacts and when dealing with environmental justice. In addition to that, it's not just climate change, it's climate-inducing activities and climate-inducing industries that impact uh, women more deeply, I think, than, than a lot of other communities. If we look at communities, for example, in the United States that are in and around extractive industry sites, and in many cases, those sites are intentionally placed in, in communities of color. Women in those communities often hold a cumulative body burden of the toxins and pollutants that exist in their surrounding environment. So if there are chemicals in the soil, in, in the water, which we all know there are when we have these kinds of industries present, those chemicals get into the food systems and that gets into women's bodies. And we're seeing, especially in indigenous communities, women are finding that they are passing things like PCBs onto their children through their breast milk. So women are uniquely positioned as those who are experiencing the deepest impacts of climate change. But because of that, we believe that they are often best positioned with solutions. 
because they, they're the ones that have to collect water. They're the ones that are caring for children and collecting food. They will know what they need. They will know what their communities need and what will work for them. And so that's why we have to partner with communities, actually not just bring them to the table, make sure that they are the first and primary voice at the table. We have to start valuing community-based knowledge and traditional ecological knowledge on the same playing field as we value Western knowledge and science, because I think there's a power dynamic there. And I think that not valuing it equally is one of the reasons that entities don't think to partner with communities first and foremost. Um, We have to stop doing things in half measures. I think we are relying on things like net zero when we have to come to terms with the fact that net zero isn't the goal. Net zero is a benchmark to a goal of decarbonizing because we want to move way past that. We have to get beyond net zero and to get to actual zero. Eski Barsanis is the chief sustainability officer at Anheuser-Busch InBev, the beverage giant behind big brands like Budweiser, This company is finding new ways to leverage blockchain, fintech, satellite technologies, and more, all to empower smallholder farmers and entrepreneurs while helping the climate. She talked to me about the priority that she thinks leaders should have top of mind, and that's scalable innovation. This is really a big one, because even when you're looking to set new public commitments or a net zero uh, ambition or vision, you know, there's certain pathways that you plan out for yourself, and there is... Uh, a piece of your supply chain or operations that you know how to tackle. And then there's other uh, areas where you don't know the full answer, right? You don't know exactly how to get there, but you know the importance of innovation and identifying new partnerships and and new uh, supply chain partners that are going to come in and help you tackle. So scalable innovation is really a big one. And for us, um, you know, about four years ago, we created a program called 100 Plus Accelerator that has accelerated 70 startups around the world in 20 plus countries. Um, And in its third year right now, we're wrapping up the third cohort. We've also invited Unilever, uh, Coca-Cola, and Colgate Palmolive to join us as four iconic companies to look at some of these sustainable innovation solutions that are out there that are going to come in and pilot uh, their products in our operations or in our supply chains. And once you, at the end of that pilot, you find the results that can be scaled. Now there's your answer to the future, to that unknown that you're trying to close the gaps on. Barbara Humpton is the U.S. CEO of Siemens, a company creating infrastructure projects like smart buildings that make the most of data to ensure both efficiency and sustainability. I caught up with her in my hometown of Detroit at the Urban Transformation Summit. Here's what she had to say about what she hopes moves forward at COP27 and from the global leadership community. What I'm expecting to see, and this is I heard from Secretary Kerry at a recent event, is the tremendous focus on action, which has already begun, now embracing the business community. One of the things Secretary Kerry has suggested, and we'll, we'll see you know, exactly how this fits into the overall agenda, is the idea of businesses coming forward and saying, here are projects we have underway, here are ideas that we're implementing, almost many playbooks that others can learn from, take away, and build on. It's that kind of creating the flywheel of action where the early adopters can stand up and be leaders for others. Now, we heard that same request right here in, in our working session today, 
Congresswoman Dingell said, I want to see the business community standing up and really taking charge and taking a leadership role now. And I believe we have to. I believe we have to. I don't think this is a moment when we should be waiting for governments to tell us what needs to be done. I think all of us as citizens and citizens who are business people to be active. Jane Gilbert is the chief heat officer of Florida's Miami-Dade County. She's charged with coordinating and speeding action to address the increasing health and economic risks associated with extreme heat. Here's what she hopes pushes forward at COP and beyond. So, I, you know, I'm going to be selfish. So I want to see commitment in two areas that will bring us both carbon mitigation and heat mitigation. And those are tree planting in cities, in urban landscapes that need it, and investment in that kind of green, certainly carbon sequestration broadly, but, but, but really in where people need it the most. And when we talk about Global South and we talk about the number of organic or informal settlements, we need to think about it very differently. But these can be oven cookers, they can be very dangerous. And so we need to really think about how are we designing housing solutions for the, those living most on the edge. Franz Van Houten is the former CEO of Philips, the health technology company. I talked to him at May's annual meeting about what leaders often overlook. Here's what he thinks leaders should be talking about more. Everybody talks about for example, sustainability or improving healthcare. Uh, and we know why that is important, right? Because of the world and our future generations. What people do not talk about enough is on how we are going to make a change. The why is understood, but the action agenda to make a real impact really fast, whether it is on health or the planet, that is not strong enough. For people to translate insight into action, they really need to see good examples of others uh, that motivate them. If you think about climate action, we see now a lot of people have adopted science-based targets, one and a half degrees, so they are committed. But that doesn't mean they know how to do it yet, okay? So you can plant trees, you can buy green electricity. That's not enough. That's not enough. So you need to do more. Then we talk about scope three, your suppliers, your customers, um, the whole value chain now becomes harder right now we need deep insights in how you make transform transformation uh, and involve others and for example adopt circularity so that we use less virgin materials from mother earth takes time that takes a lot of insights and experience for that we need to share best practices and inspire people to get on the learning curve and what will happen if people aren't taking action? Then together we will not make our objectives and the world will be a very, very difficult place with floods and a high temperature, a food crisis. Uh, so we really need to speed up. Thanks to all the leaders in this episode. And thanks so much to you for listening. A transcript of this episode and my colleagues' episodes, Radio Davos and the Book Club podcast, are available at wef.ch slash podcasts. If you like this episode, please make sure to follow our podcast throughout the Climate Summit this November as we talk to leaders finding new ways to tackle this issue and make fast progress. This episode of Meet the Leader was presented and produced by me, with Juan Toran as studio engineer in Davos and Gareth Nolan driving studio production. That's it for now. I'm Linda Lucina with the World Economic Forum. Have a great day. <laughs>